This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Always good news. Always, folks, telling you, we've got so much of it, especially on a Friday, especially since we kind of curved Bill Shackleton's tendency to bring scary, upsetting stories uh, just uh, sample back to yesterday if you want to hear that. Ramya Muthan's at the <laughs> studio in Toronto. You can attest to this as you and Grant were hosting when Billy shook you all up. And, and, and I won't go back into that. I want people to go subscribe to the podcast to hear that or check out the best of the buzz. Um, I don't think it'll be on this edition of Best of the Buzz. Maybe it might make its oh, way in. It should that have been on the last edition, tomorrow. the one before Halloween, but alas. It should have been. You're yeah, right. But this late. is going to be a, a great one. Uh, Rum, we talk a lot about opportunities and things that we get to do and share sometimes with people. We get a lot of questions about what goes on. Like, what's the behind the scenes of the show? You just finished doing a little shoot. These people mm-hmm. right now about this, that people one day will will see uh, a little bit of the behind the scenes, meet some of the crew and everybody that's involved with the program. How and why is due to a special, folks. Uh, we're excited to share this news with you. Probably a little overdue. <laughs> Something that we should have shared probably at the end of uh, October before Halloween as well. Are you interested in being part of a live studio audience? Well, here's that opportunity for you, folks. We're taping a special episode of Kelly and Ramya to air on a future date in prime time on AMI-tv. We're looking for 50 individuals to be part of that live studio audience on Monday, November 27th. If you live in the Toronto area and would like to participate, please email uh, info at AMI.ca. Info at AMI.ca. Let them know you're interested in coming out on November 27th. Space is limited. And here's some of the other things because, you know, we want the space overflowing with people. So here comes the bride. I mean, here comes the opportunity to get some prizes. Uh, So everyone who uh, joins us there will receive a Kelly and Ramya gift bag. Their names will be entered into a draw to win one of two Apple gift cards (gasps) valued at $500 each as as well as um, $550 Tim Hortons gift cards that are also tossed in there for winning. So some awesome prizes. Please do settle in and join us in the uh, live studio audience on the 27th. You have to be part of the audience to receive any of those prizes if your names are are drawn. Remember, if you have questions or just want to make sure that you are in that crowd that day, which we'd absolutely love to have you, uh, Grant and Beth are going to be there and our whole team. And it's going to be lots of fun for you to meet people uh, at, uh, at this particular event on November 27th. You excited? I am very excited. Uh, I think that, A, it's nice to have a live audience again. I feel like we've been so deprived. Uh, our kiss, Christmas kitchen parties and all of these other things that we loved doing because of this exact reason. And now we kind of get to bring it all back. And also, it's special programming, right? It's not mm-hmm. just the regular. Obviously, you get the exclusive stuff and the behind the scenes of how the show's put together. But this is a very exclusive opportunity because it's not just the day in day out show format like we've got a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff going on 
Yeah, let's tease <clears throat> some live music. Yeah. A little bit of laughter. And mm -hmm. I, of course, I did tease about Grant and Beth being there. What else? Man, I actually have told quite too much. She's oh, better shut yeah. up. Info at ami.ca if you want to register. Let's take a look at what we've got on this program as we move ahead. There are new smart glasses that play sounds to help people who are blind find objects. John Beeler, you know it. It's Friday. He'll be here with more on that on our app update. The World Series concluded on Wednesday with Texas winning it all. Oh, well. Uh, Brock Richardson's going to share his thoughts <laughs> on the sports update. She's heartbroken, folks. <laughs> she she doesn't even care. Mm -hmm. And there's more controversy in the audiobook world. Now, this is going to get rummy up. It's regarding more AI-narrated books. Ryan Huey leads us in that discussion on the Chatty Book Show later on in Hour 2 on the program. All right, we do this every time the time is about to change. It's kind of that reminder and kind of just something to whine about. Brunch dates and fall colors might be easier to get to this Sunday with an extra hour of rest. Sleep expert Dr. Phyllis Z at Northwestern University School of Medicine says the time change could mess up your internal clock. Things like, you know, attention, uh, being able to have uh, multitasking, for example, which you can normally maybe do, that could be impacted during this transition. Z says having standard time all year round would be better for the body. Your clocks are gonna be more aligned with each other and therefore you're gonna decrease your, your, your risk of having all these negative you know, health issues. Z says chronic sleep deprivation can increase levels of stress hormones that boost heart rate and blood pressure and chemicals that trigger inflammation. I'm Donna Water. Now, let's get you in practice, ladies and gentlemen, for that live studio audience. All together now, there is no point to change the time. Let's again, there is no point to change the time. Uh, Rum, we've gone on about this uh, quite a bit on the show. Yeah, we hate it. Like, you and I are definitely on the same page about this. Just drop it. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about, well, uh, when New York and when Quebec and when et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I just am like, guys, why are we still doing this? Every time um, we're changing forward or backward, doesn't matter, and we have to coordinate with our friend from the UK, Fern Lullum, it's like, okay, what's happening again? Uh, did you guys change yours? Us? No? Yes? Uh, you know, who's on, who's off? It's... Uh, and that's just a minor problem. But, I mean, come on. We know, especially the opposite, when we uh, skip ahead in the spring, it is terrible, terrible for the body, statistically so, physically, emotionally, and we're just so tired. It is so... We've outgrown it. We've outgrown it. We've got to get rid of it. A minor problem? I don't know. I don't think the audience wants to look at an empty fern chair sitting I there mean... without her because we've screwed up the timing. The thing oh is, they wouldn't even gosh. know, right? No. We've kept it a secret. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the control room for a gag might say, hey, guys, look at this. Ah, psych. Fill in the segment. Um, I also wonder if it screws up gardening in any way. The plants. How sensitive. They well, anyway, we could ask that silly question to uh, our gardener, Susan Kearney, in studio with Ramya right now to join us in a couple of moments when we return from the break. What is an herb stripper? That's the real conversation we have with her. And how is it used in the garden? In studio, Sue Kearney, next. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back.
Remember, wherever you are, you can enjoy the program around the world. Check us out over there on AMI-audio, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, of course, 6 a.m. in the morning. All those great times in which to enjoy the program. You can also subscribe and download the podcast. We'll give you some ideas later on in the program of some content that you may want to make sure that you don't miss in reviewing the shows from this week. Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto on main campus and also joining her to talk gardening today, as we do every week on the show, Sue Kearney, our gardener. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Ramya for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent and sound. Always wonderful to have you with us, Sue, and nice, and I know you've been loving, especially as we get closer to winter, uh, that opportunity to get out and join Ramya in the studio. So very much appreciate that. And I think we're going to appreciate the conversation. But I asked a ridiculous, what I think is a ridiculous question before we went into the break. You ever find, would there be any thought that if we stop changing the time, does that make any adjustment in what one would do? in spring or fall regarding their gardens? I mean, plants would adapt. Well, it can, because remember, if it gets um, lighter earlier in the morning, mm. and um, so, you're, so you have to get up earlier to open up uh, the the blinds of the curtains, so your your uh, right. your plants, indoor plants, are going to get maximum uh, light, uh, and so that that is one thing that will wow. will change. And the other thing is, is that it will get dark earlier, so they're not going to get that um, sun sunset uh, between six and eight or six and nine at night. It, that's going to come between three thirty and four o'clock. That shortens the time and makes our plants sleepy mm. indoors. So wow. uh, they they go to slumber, and and that actually the the darkening of the days is what makes our leaves come down along with the cold. So that it, it does, it does, the light actually does have a lot to do with, with our garden and how they, how they go to sleep uh, and uh, how they slumber and how they wake up in, in the spring, the early morning sun, the late sun, uh, so, uh, which helps the crops grow and our, and our flowers bloom longer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, which, we, which we had heard that, eh, Rum, that That's the farmers the original. would say exactly. the original. The yeah. reasons for yeah. the, the yes. time uh, shifts at all, right, is because of this. So it makes sense. But I like the angle of what it means for the indoor mm, plants. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought, and, and you know, of course, all those, to borrow a phrase from Charles Barkley, all those knuckleheads in the control room, they thought for sure I was asking a dumb old question. But, <laughs> wow, a lot more to that than I thought. Yeah. Oh, knuckleheads. Um, anyway. Sue, <laughs> uh, let's uh, move into uh, herb. Uh, herb strippers yes. and garden gloves today. Yes. Uh, I brought in my herb stripper, and now that uh, all the herbs are either frozen in your garden, if you didn't get them in on time, or um, they're drying on racks. So I'm going to show Romeo this. Yes, please. It's, uh, it's a little stripper, um, and it uh, oh. you put the herbs in those slots. Okay. And uh, so you see at the bottom there's uh, like a... A slot that is larger. That is for things like your rosemary, 
um, on this part. end. Okay. There's, you see, the bigger one yep. there. And then it goes up in very tiny gradations. Get smaller and smaller. smaller, and, smaller. Right. and the small ones are for little tiny wee, uh, if you're um, for uh, dill, that's a really good one to strip off the dill. And, mm -hmm. and then you'd have the stem left. And then the next one is um, down small. Um, that's an, an, another really good one for um, small pieces of mint. It's it's a very um, cool thing, and it just you just put the stem in, uh, and you just run it along the stem, and all the leaves come off and fall into a bowl or mm. uh, wh whatever you're wanting to put them into. It's very cool. I feel like uh, chefs need this, but here yeah. here's the thing: like, there's the shape of this is kind of like a, a half moon, I guess, Susan. Yes. Yes. Or uh, you know, like a pizza crust. Yes. Uh, like a half a pizza, but just yes. the crust because the. The outside is um, kind of the handle where you would hold. Yes, uh, and it's very easy. It's it's very easy on your hand mm -hmm. because of that roundness. Yeah, and very for and also this this is totally dishwasher safe. Oh, you good. can just throw, it's it's not hollow. Um, actually, there's no hole, so it, you can throw it into the dishwasher and and just rinse it off. And it's it's I, I find it a wonderful kitchen tool and a gardening a garden tool because right. I can go out and just take the leaves right off. And uh, just cut stems down later on. And I, I, I love this tool. When I, when I first um, heard about it, and I, I got one, then I, I started giving them out as gifts. And the so slots too. <laughs> like just to, to kind of t uh, give people an idea, the slots are like little half circles. So it's not um, dangerous per se. It's not no, like a, a not blade sharp. or a sharp uh, like a knife. No. So you don't you have to worry about putting your fingers. In fact, like the biggest slot I can put my pinky into it. And it right? it, it, would, yeah. it wouldn't hurt. It, exactly. it doesn't even cut the stems, nor does. Right. And it's, it's meant to do that, so it doesn't bruise the, the um, plant. The plants. Or yes. us. Or us. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. But absolutely. I like it as a as a gadget, and mm -hmm. as you said, dishwasher friendly, and also just easy to clean because there's not. You know, like a, a part, a compartment where no. things are going into. You don't have to take it apart. It's and just it doesn't one. come apart at all. No, mm. it's just one piece. Nice. Very cool tool. Yeah, I like it. So what did you do before it? What did you, like, oh, this is all Oh, you got to use your fingers. Do it manually? Oh, yeah. No, so, and, and, is that what it, you I mean, had it, the fight it, with? It, it takes you, uh, with rosemary, um, it takes you ages or something oh, yeah. like thyme or something like um, uh, oregano. Oh, my goodness. During it Christmas just... or Thanksgiving when you're working with multiple herbs, it's oh, just yes. a mess yeah, yeah. to deal. Yeah. This, this was a, a wonderful tool when I found this one. It was grand. Do you do it to strip basil, you said, or no? Yes, okay. I do. I do do it um, for, for the basil. Uh, for the Genevieve basil, because it's very large mm. leaves, I don't. I just pick those off. Yeah. The, you don't need to do that with the, um, but the the smaller one, the, the different smaller basils. Yes, I do. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yes. Where else did you want to go, Sue? You you wanted to talk about gloves too. Oh, I brought something in, and there's another cool tool. I'm yeah, just don't going let her to walk away with them. Don't let her steal them. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the Cruella gloves. I no, not at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Describe them. Nail. Tell us about them, guys. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, so it's, uh, what is it, silicone? Uh, yes. Rubber of some sort? Yes, and it washes up very nicely. Now, mm -hmm. that's for the left hand because I usually use that on my left hand. Well, perfect, because I am left-handed. Yeah. And, and remember, um, dishwasher friendly. This? Well, wouldn't it be Sue? Because wouldn't it be Sue? What's that? We had this talk last week that a lot of that the silicone stuff like that would be dishwasher. Well, yes, right? yes. This rinses off really, really nicely. I think this yeah. could go in the dishwasher. Yeah. Really, really nice when you you've got in the dirt, and the fingers are 
plastic. Oh, listen to those. Yes, it's like uh, having um, fake nails on, except they cover your in half a finger. Your entire so. finger? Oh, half? Your half a finger, okay. yeah. Yes. Okay. And and this is for digging um, in, in the dirt. They're claws. Yeah, yeah they're claws. Oh, and they, you can dig in the dirt with these. Really, really nice. And um, and it's 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 in that way. Um, you're, it's right on your hand. Uh, you're, you don't have tools to worry about um, leaving, you know, down on the ground or um, in a pot where I usually do, and that takes you 45 mm. minutes to try and find that tool. Uh, these are right on your hands, so you can dig with these. You can pull plants out with these, which is really cool. And also, um, when you're uh, trimming things with sharp scissors. Uh, those things on the ends of your fingers mm. um, s stop you from being cut. I, I've, right. uh, I've learned that too. This, it, 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 and it, it covers works. quite a bit of your fingers. It does, like absolutely, yes. Right up, um, quite, a, quite a ways up your fingers. So uh, you're no danger of cutting when you're actually trimming or pruning something. Mm -hmm. This is really cool. This is a very cool tool too. I, yeah. I, I use this, all, these two tools, I probably use the most um, in, in the garden, both indoor and outdoor. And they're small, like these are very low-tech tools, but they yeah. obviously serve multiple purposes. Absolutely. And the tips, as you said, are curved, mm -hmm. the tips of the fingers, like we said, claws, right? Yes. Um, so it's already in the position, ideal position for digging. Yes. Um, the other question I had for you, though, is that this is a pretty thick plastic. Like, this is a solid plastic. Yes. So as a blind person, do you feel that it takes away from the tactile aspect? I only so use that on my left hand. There, uh, oh, there, of course, you got a left and the right. Yeah. And my right hand, I use to guide or to hold another tool. So this I you're use, using in your non-dominant hand. Yes, okay. and and this is just to protect my hand or to dig in the dirt. If I'm digging in the dirt and I know that there's no plant there or there's weeds there, um, then I do use both hands because I know ex I, I touch it before and then I put the gloves on and use it to mm. dig to dig with both hands. And it, it's it's really wonderful. It works absolutely wonderfully. Now, this one doesn't go past the wrist, no. give or take. Uh, can you find models where, you know, you're, if you've got to be elbow deep in gardening or something, that they're longer gloves? I, I don't know. I've, I've never, I've not bought any mm. like that, so I, I don't really know. I, I, that would be a very good idea right. because then you would keep your arms and everything clean too. But I like to get in the dirt a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah. you're going to get dirty anyway. Yeah. And also just a... Um, a note as well that the thumb itself it doesn't have the claw in it. No, that's it just doesn't. the rubber finger. No, yeah. no, mm -hmm. no, it doesn't. Yeah, that's for your balance and everything, I guess. And I think the theory, if you have it too much, too high, you start losing some of your maneuverability. You might, I mean, and you're still going to get whatever you're wearing, shirt or whatever, messy anyway. It's a, it's interesting, Sue, that the the items that are most used are sometimes the most straightforward, I don't want to say the cheapest, but the most straightforward item yeah. that that you find yourself, and I love your manipulation of it, because, I, and I don't know, a lot of people may do the same thing, really only want it on one hand, but I guess if you're digging and, and you can see, you're going to put it on both for, yeah. for the efficiency, yeah. mm -hmm. but I'm yeah. sure it doesn't slow you down. I guess you if know, you're doing you, a lot of digging, you can use both. Both, gloves. I do. Yeah. Yes. And if it doesn't yeah. matter, right? So if you're done, no. you, you do it when you're being careful enough or have to dig around yes. and free stuff up, I would imagine. And you'd clear and then use your other hand, mm -hmm. the I dominant too, one, to kind of sort things out. Seasonally, if there are different kinds of material for gloves like this, like if you're doing digging in March Ooh. or April, that's 
Kind of cold. You, uh, well, you could wear a very thin pair of thermal gloves underneath mm, this. Underneath, uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So you, you, you could. Um, I think that it's made out of this material because it needs to be kept clean. And yep. I, I wash this in soap and water after, and then spray a little bit of vinegar on it, hang it to dry, and it's ready to go mm -hmm. uh, for, the, for the next plant. Nice. What do you do if it is cold? You're digging, you've got that coverage on your left uh, hand, and, and on your right, would you ever put a, a thinner glove on another hand that's still washable and all that, that still allows you to feel around, or do you just kind of grin and bear it? No, because then you can't. I can't feel what I'm doing, no, and that's, that's way I would feel. It's important. That's what's yeah. tough yeah. for the it seasons is. when it starts yeah. getting cold for mm -hmm. blind gardeners. I think. Oh yes. You know, I barely want to go in my fridge or freezer, let alone out there in the garden. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then you <laughs> sort of you'd work for a bit and have to stop because your hand yeah. would be so oh, yeah, cold exactly. and be numb anyway. Exactly. That's a good, a good time to have a, a nice cup of tea. Of course. Yes, yeah. and that warm you up really yes. good, like a little hot shot, Maybe right? Maybe someone can come yeah. out with us and uh, keep the tea warm Absolutely. while we dig in the garden. Yes. A little Bunsen burner nearby on a long <laughs> porch. Sue, anything else we should know or that you want to talk about or experience with these? And uh, obviously prices, you're encouraging you people, know? go oh, get yes. it. Oh, the, the, yes. Yeah. The gloves, I, I forget. Uh, they were, I think, around $30, $35. Um, the... Uh, the uh, herb stripper uh, can be um, purchased at uh, Lee Valley Tools, um, and it is—I believe it's thirteen ninety-five now. I don't know how much I paid for mine, but um, but it's you know, and and it's uh, starting to think about gifts for the gardener. Um, this mm. is a very good gift for the, for the any any gardener. Yeah, absolutely, that loves herbs, even in the kitchen. Kitchen and gardener. Thirteen dollars, like for something that will, it sounds like be very durable, last yes, forever. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is. So it's a good price too. Thanks, Sue. Appreciate it, Sue. Thanks for coming in as usual. Thanks. Nice to hear you. Susan Kearney joining us. We do this on Fridays. We uh, do gardening on our Fridays with Susan. So many different things always to cover off and so wonderful, folks. Uh, we'll do that again next week when Sue joins us. Coming up next, there are new smart glasses that play sounds to help people who are blind find objects. John Beeler, he's got more on that on our app update. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Settle on back. Got another, well, almost full two-hour show ahead for you. Having some fun with you on the Friday as we swing open the gateway to your weekend. Over there on the TV side, you can catch us 2 p.m. Eastern live when we do the original show itself, 10 p.m. at night and 1 a.m. in the morning overnight on AMI-TV, of course. And again, subscribe to the podcast when you have that opportunity. Kelly McDonald here at the Home Studio, London, Ontario, and Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto. Susan's left, and I'm back in my original Susan position left now. The building. God, Move two minutes? Like, we're so good at this. Anyway, let's continue on with the Friday show. Here's the app update with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, we've been having so many conversations with you and AI lately that we've um, put food delivery services and all the things going on there on the back burner. But something's come up. 
All right, so DoorDash is warning people that food might get cold if you don't tip. Now, is this a might or a definitely will? Or what is going on here? It I sounds like, like the blackmail. Word warning. Warning's perfect, eh, John? <laughs> what is it, it doing it to is, us? It is actually perfect. Um, yeah, this is something that they're testing right now in some markets. It's what, not blackmail? Everywhere. Yeah, then the freezer they're carrying along with the drivers that say, oh, you're not Excuse tipping, eh? Excuse yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. tier so system. So you'll actually you'll actually get a pop-up in your DoorDash app saying if you if you basically um uh um submit your cart you know for your order and you haven't added a, a pre-tip as they call it uh you're going to get this warning notice that you know drivers may not choose your uh, your order because they do have the ability to see in advance what uh the total value of that transaction will be to the driver and um apparently and, and i've seen anecdotal evidence of this myself in some uh fast food restaurants you'll see a pile of okay. uh you know, mcdonald's orders that have just been sitting there because no one's added a tip to it and so they get deprioritized and um so this whole notion of pre-tipping is really strange to me because i'd rather tip based on service and mm -hmm. there's been more than a couple times when I've ordered something and it gets delivered to the wrong house or they're missing yep. stuff. Why would I tip you on that yep. uh, if I didn't get the service I was expecting? And you would think that this would cause issues even amongst the drivers in the sense of, well, I'm not doing that one. And it falls down to down to down to where it could jeopardize the service, whether it's the delivery service. And then you got the business at hand paying for it too. When someone says, you know, I paid for, you know, I've ordered. Okay. And they just, and people start going online, slamming the hell out of everyone, because why wouldn't you, if, if this, it's one thing for an honest mistake, but again, we're in this society now that believes everywhere there's got to be the tipping. And I'm a big tipper person. I totally believe in it. I get it. I understand. I'm not so cool about, well, it's built into the fees. I'm not so cool with, well, generally we're tipping at this or where's your tip? You know, you don't like the person. You don't like the service. You don't tip and people think you're a jerk. Well, just so be it. But this stuff is scary. And to suggest, hey, you know, you don't tip. It's going to be cold food. Well, we'll be lucky if they make it. Um, when you when you say stuff hasn't arrived, John, have you had luck at going after them to get some compensation without it disappearing? Hey, you get this many makeup dollars or whatever uh, to go to tips or whatever they 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 do to help you. And then I found that whatever you've been told, twenty dollars or whatever to make up for it, mm. it disappears. Uh I, I've been able to get a, a full refund and you have a choice of getting a, either like a refund back to your original uh, uh, payment method or right, they'll yeah. give you, you know, an even more generous uh, credit uh, within the app. Um, but I can definitely see that some people could have problems with that. The other mm -hmm. big problem is if I didn't get my food, I'm still hungry and I have to reorder yes. it now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's Does anything I'm, like this where it's preemptive, like we're supposed to tip beforehand or, and it's already been like that, right? Like if you use Uber Eats or skip the dishes or DoorDash yep. specifically, like you know that they encourage you or say, hey, and also do you want to add this and do you want to add that? And there's so much of it done. And I understand because that approach is just locked into ordering remotely one-click things. Uh, so they want to get all that in while you're still on the app, while you're still thinking about it. Not all of us are going to go in later when our bellies are full and, and tip. So I get it, but it's it's crossing lines, I feel. Like, really, there's... 
I don't know. It, maybe it's the entitlement uh, side of things for us, but really. Yeah, no, it definitely is something that is unique to the gig economy and, mm. and all the services you just mentioned. And um, like I said, you know, most people prefer to tip based on service, exactly. not based in advance. Yeah. Um, in this particular case, though, DoorDash was slammed not too long ago because what they were doing is they were actually taking those tips and not giving them to the drivers oh, directly. Oh, disgusting. And on yeah. top yes, of that, now they're going to tell us our food's going to get cold if we don't tip. Yeah, and, and, and they're blaming it basically on the drivers. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, that, yeah. that's pretty so dirty this, pool. This, this is not cool. And um, as we've talked about before, a lot of these services, they're not even making any money because they're having to pay a lot of money for um, getting permission to use these services in certain jurisdictions. They're also having to pay the drivers more and more. In some places, they're considered to be employees or health benefits or other things like that. And um, so, you know, when you add up all the money that they're actually making from these microtransactions, not to mention the fact that they're also hurting restaurants with these fees because they're charging the restaurant uh, a, a fee as well. Um, yeah, it's it's just an interesting space. They're still trying to figure out how to do it right and how not to make a lot of people upset with them. And I don't know if DoorDash is doing the right thing with this, but no. I, I also don't know because of the reasons we just talked about how else you can do it. Um, I just know that I've been in restaurants and I've seen the guy take the DoorDash or skip the dishes, whatever the thing out to his car. I've been able to see his trunk and he's got a whole bunch of bags in there. So <laughs> those are all probably like the low tip or no tip people. They're going to be the last <laughs> yeah. people, the last people an hour That's later. Right. Yeah. I know the uh, app said you'd get your food in a half hour, but a half hour from, you know, midnight. Yeah, <laughs> half <laughs> hour from four hours tip. from now. Wow. Well, and I'm just anxious to see if this is the beginning of as we see so and so claiming, well, we can no longer afford to offer this service. We're we're going bust. Um, we better move on to your next one because this one, I mean, this is this is kind of cool. And one, John, going to need kind of the picture on this one. I think it may affect mm -hmm. a bunch of us out there. Uh, smart glasses that play sounds that help people who are blind find objects. Yeah, this is something from the University of Technology in Sydney, Australia. They've developed some smart glasses that pair with a smartphone app that actually give you kind of like bat-like echolocation functionality using um, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, and machine learning. So essentially what these glasses are doing is they're scanning your environment that's directly in front of you, identifying those objects, and then depending on the objects, in this, in this particular trial, they've identified four objects and they've assigned different sounds to them. And essentially, as a, a blind or low vision person, you'll be able to get some audible feedback about what's in front of you. As you get closer to it, the sound will get louder. And so you'll be able to basically find things in physical space just with the audible cues and the pairing of the glasses camera with the smartphone app. Okay, so mm. before Amuthan dives in here with her dozen questions, I just want to know the identifying of the sound. Do you have options, choices, or is it stuff that it, like Rumya's coffee mug there, her her, her AMI, her, her uh, Kelly and Rumya cup. I know that's what you've got to have in front of your rum. Anyway, uh... Uh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so to identify that, to know that that's the item on the table or, you know, whatever else she might have, um, if you she walked up to the table, do you assign that sound 
the said item or is it based on what it's made of, John, and all that already through the AI already decided? They haven't shared how that works yet, but I think the long-term goal with this is that um, it'll be basically giving you feedback, not unlike a text message tone as you get closer to items. And, you know, as they develop the app, the, the app will probably tell you what the object is. So right. you won't have to guess by sound. You'll know that you're approaching the coffee mug or you're approaching the banana or whatever is, is in front of you. It'll tell you. And um, presumably you can probably assign uh, sounds to like familiar Like we do with beacons and such. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And would it place it so that if Rumi is sitting there or walks up to that desk and it's off to the left just a little bit, I'm assuming you would have that stereo sound kind of location like we do in movies, watching a movie or whatever. That, yeah, the yeah. The echolocation, as you, as you move closer to it, it'll get louder or, or uh, the, the sound will, will appear or repeat faster. So, you know, it's like that homing in sound um, yep. as you get closer to objects and presumably, you know, banana, 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 you know, as you <laughs> yeah. get through the and, and I wonder if it'll do like spatial sound because, you know, if you move your head with the Apple spatial sound, whatever object yeah. it's Yeah, the binaural from, and such. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious about the, here. so we're using our, our device's camera essentially, right? So we're holding on to something that is going to take us to this object, whatever. I'm wondering how much practical use is going to come out of this uh, for, you know, big things, small things, stuff on tables, you know, cutlery, drinks so we don't spill them. There's just a variety of things that are possible for identification purposes, but in practicality, what are we going to yeah. use these things for? And I'm the glasses, always curious right? about that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, the, the, I think the 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 intent with this study is to use the uh, the glasses that have a camera in them. Mm -hmm. so, so like the eye glasses like, and such, yeah. Yeah, so it's what you're seeing. Um, and it does make sense because, you know, if you if I'm just looking around my, my kitchen right now, there's a lot of stuff in here. And I could just imagine it would be like banana, mug, coffee machine, like all these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Overwhelming. <laughs> So it presumably could. you might have to have either someone help you or a, some kind of learning thing where you teach mm -hmm. it the objects that you Near or far kind of thing or size right. or so that it doesn't keep picking up the refrigerator or the, and, you know, uh, yeah. or the microwave. But, but also, mm -hmm. so, sorry, Ramya, the other cool thing about this technology is because it's using uh, machine learning, you could just say, mm. direct me to the coffee maker. Exactly. Right? And yeah, it but it would that. also learn your space too, wouldn't it? Enough well, that's that, assuming that you're you know, using it for familiar spaces, right? That's the other thing. Oh, like, for if sure. I know oh, yeah. my organized mess, but I don't know your organized mess. So, what's the no. the experience difference going to be like it, when I come to your it's kitchen versus gotta mine? Got to be for the bigger of, like you said about yeah. Ira glasses. Instead or, of having the person, maybe it is for more or just of the orientation. Of like I go into a living somewhere. room, and it, it can yep. you know similar to things that we're familiar with already, like using Be My AI to describe. Uh, a setting for us or using yeah. um, uh, what's that other one seeing AI to tell yep. us what we're looking at and things like that except it's doing it in real time and with audio cues yeah and right. just to I, prevent I us this... from banging our shins like it could simply be you feel everything in that room based off or here uh, lightly enough that you could just navigate through and, and until someone's really comfortable or doesn't need it or prefers it it could be just another choice of method 
I, I think this is, is the analogy for this is probably more like Google Maps or Apple Maps. Mm-hmm. And you would say something like navigate me to the fridge or navigate me to the bathroom door or those kinds of things or navigate me to my coffee mug. Um, and the software will filter out all the other noise and just take you on a path to that place. Mm. So cool. I like really, um, you know, breaking down the the hypothesis around all this stuff. And I'm very curious about how uh, it ends up being utilized and improved let's talk quickly before we go about android users uh, getting apple-like login features this week yeah this is something new uh, to android uh it's called credential manager and essentially what it is if you've if you use both devices an android and an ios device apple has had these really nice little pop-ups that say hey we see you want to log into your bank account or to your email or whatever um it'll just scan your face for face id and you're in like you know, essentially it takes out that whole password login functionality uh, and it's using pass keys in the back end and, and other things like that to sort of really streamline that login process. And now Android users are getting this as part of Credential Manager, which launched this week. And uh, so it's very s- simple, very cool. You can also opt out of it if it's not something you want to do. You want to keep some additional security or there's some other reason why you wouldn't want to use um, a face ID or a touch ID or similar kind of uh, biometric login functionality. But I think most people will probably opt into this because it's it's a more secure than mm. password and it's also very fast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, security is, I think, one of the biggest reasons why this would be on everyone's mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and all the, the biometric stuff typically on both platforms is stored locally on your device. It's not in the cloud or anything like that, so it's much more secure mm. than a password mm. manager or something else. Yeah, exactly. Like Things like Good iCloud stuff. Keychain, we just get so used to it, we don't even realize how much we take for granted uh, just the security measures that are being put into place so that we can have an option like this with biometrics yeah. and such. Awesome, John, thank you. Thank you. Chat have next week. Weekend. You too. Thanks. John Beeler uh, joins us for our app update on Fridays. Wow, cool stuff. Coming up next on the program, how can travelers expecting sticker shock find some sweet relief? Well, Bill Shackleton has that answer in a moment when he explains. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. I wonder if I fall under the same mandates as the contributors here. What? Happy Friday, right? Can't bring on anything to talk about that kind of yeah, like... Yeah, of course. We want to keep that frame of mind, right? We so have that to set the example. I have to go back to mentioning the podcast for people to check out The Best of the Buzz yesterday because Rumya is still traumatized from The Best of the Buzz yesterday. But Billy, uh, as we bring Bill Shackleton on from his home, who is our host for The Best of the, or for the Buzz, also the host of The Best of the Buzz, which you can find on your podcast platform. Uh, Bill, we're supposed to be cautious today and stay with the happy, smiley things, right? Uh, and I think we will. I mean, yeah, I, purposefully or not, yeah, we're going to stay with the... Um, travel and uh, the Florence thing, you know, and um, okay. a couple waiting on the Eiffel Tower, which is, you know, nice. what can I say? It's Ooh, great. That's yeah. those happy, smiley things. Yep. Okay. I wonder how often that happens. But pass, let's wait. Let's get to that. Yeah. Let's get okay. that one up. Yeah. Let's, let's um, do your, well, you're starting with the travel, right? Uh, with sticker shock uh, or what? Yes. Why okay. travelers expecting shicker, sticker shock could see sweet, prevent, um, sweet, sweet, 
um, deals instead. Hmm. Um, so basically, dining out is more expensive than ever. The cost of gasoline is rising, and the price of airfare and the price of hotels has kept pace. Wrong, according to the article uh, from Associated Press. Airfare, airfare prices declined by 13% between September 22 or, and 2000 and 2023. This is in the U.S. Um, but interestingly enough, lodging, I mean, you know, traveling, traveling internationally, airfares have gone up. But lodging over the past two years, between 2019 and 2022, has basically fluctuated or stayed the same. But really what this means is that even though airfares have gone up, in some cases in the U.S. they haven't, they've declined. But you can still get a good uh, deal in a hotel because they have fluctuated or kept pace. So you really never know. And I, th I think it, it shows the quirkiness of the travel industry right now is if you, you know, a lot of people... Oh, airfares have gone up. I'm not going to go anywhere. Well, if you sort of read between the lines or do your homework, you'll find that maybe, although, you know, the hotels perhaps have gone up or airfares, got, it's it's gone down in some cases. And there's always going to be the specials, the last oh, there minute. Is. But I have to wonder, when we are... A lot of the concern, obviously, is trying to make back money. So many people lost jobs. So many, uh, the industry, so many, so much of the travel in industry really took it on the chops when people weren't staying in hotels or they had to employ more people for cleaning and so on. Uh, yeah. I understand all that. The nature of, hey, travel at this time or, hey, go on this website and find some deals and whatever has been there now for a long time and, and the way we do things. Somebody who travels regularly, they know those how to do that, where to go. It's probably a lot the same. But I'm sure they'll also say, yeah, but you know, everything goes up regardless. And with the pausing that we feel everything took, that may have been a pause, but when we returned, it's as if everything was playing along. Price is still going up because those places need to recoup, or they're still following it if they're legally allowed to. Well, we would want to went up over those three years this amount. We're still going up that amount. That's what I think the reflections are. But by the nature of the travel business, you're always going to have some deals if you're that person who's really good at looking for them. Rami, I think you're going to find them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously you will. And it, I guess it takes different kinds of efforts or different kinds of approaches as well, because it's not just a one size, one approach, one uh, kind of thing is the only way for success. Or the same time of year. Mm. You, you could say, oh, generally in October, November, or whatever, things are better. Christmas time, it's going to go boom, right up, you whatever it might tell. be. But you can't tell. Yeah. And you don't know. And by how much and where. And it's especially if we know that the uh, something that the pandemic taught us, it's that everything can be unpredictable. You can have, yep. you know, all the stats and histor historical evidence in the world, um, but something may come up and it could be such a big deal that it affects everything beyond remote control. Exactly. They're one of the biggest exactly. examples. Look, look mm -hmm. at Acapulco right now, right? Yeah. Never have had and stuff this, like this happen happens everywhere. Same. Yeah. Everywhere. I, I and at any I, given time. Ahead, I do think, though, that this article is really tailored uh, uh, toward um, tailored toward the U.S. travel, and I do For think sure. it seems yeah. to me that if you, I mean, if you want to travel, 
the U.S. is a place to go. I mean, you 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 know, I mean, uh, it does seem. I mean, I I think internationally, as as I say, airfares have gone up, but certainly in the U.S., you can probably find some good deals if you're willing to poke around. I think it's like you guys were saying it's it's where you want to go. Like no, here in North America, that. probably has always been a little better. We have our certain places in North America that we just go mad to go to or whatever. You know, that are the the hit the the, the top hits. But I think when you talk about going overseas, most people would love the opportunity. So those prices step because they know people want to do it. It is going to be more costly. But if you're going to do it, you're going to do it upright, and it's going to it's supposed to be that trip of a lifetime. I think. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, next bill. Oh yes, stranded on the Eiffel Tower, a couple decided to wed, and an AP news reporter was there to tell their story. This is a very interesting story. Um, from Associated Press, essentially what happened was a man was arrested while he was trying to climb the Eiffel Tower in France. Now, what <laughs> happened was, yeah, well, they shut down all the elevators because they couldn't find them and they didn't want anybody else up there. Right. Mm -hmm. So they were looking. So basically there was a couple from Washington, D.C., and she wanted to wanted him to propose to her either near the Eiffel Tower or on it, or originally they were going to go to a restaurant. Um, but they happened to be, because, you know, people were stranded on the Eiffel Tower for hours, so he proposed to her. And, of course, she said yes. I mean, are you going to say no when you're on top of the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> oh, exactly. Gonna... Yeah, well, yeah. That would have been a... Because by the time you get to the restaurant, you're going to be hungry yeah. and wanting to eat. Uh, no, and he right. says that she's always wanted the proposal yeah, around that's the right. Eiffel yeah. Tower. Yeah. 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 He just yeah. went with it. What? That's cute. I, I think it, and, and it's like, but here's the interesting story. The AP News reporter had a mm. close call because he was at a garden party and the police secure, um, uh, had to evacuate because of a security risk. So, I mean, that guy was oh boy what can i say yeah. i yeah. was evacuated from a garden party and now i get stuck on the eiffel tower i mean what i wonder what's next exactly oh my goodness what a day you're having i wonder how many proposals or marriages actually happen up there yeah i, I don't you know, know how I big of a know. deal it is but i would imagine it's a pretty hot spot for people to try to get married i'm sure there's a lot of licenses and things like that and you know you can't block off areas to have you and your little wedding party up there when there's so many tourists because of that's its business well what about i wonder how many people proposed to this at the cn tower it's a kind of thing where it could be at the at the tiny at the cn tower or the empire state building where you're stranded mm. and who knows you know yeah well i would imagine like those areas, when you think of certain places, and we know Paris is the city of lights and all that jazz. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. It, it, there must be so many different locations that people want as that backdrop. And I think that's interesting. We may have to pitch that around for JJ and get them to kind of look at different places that are the top where people propose or try to get married at. That, that'd be interesting because of backdrop, the venue, the, the, the history of the place and its reputation. That, that's an interesting thing to kind of wonder and ponder. Um, oh, I think next, it is. Ne next item, sir. Um, visitors will be allowed in the Florence Chapel. Um, secret room might contain Michelangelo's drawings. Now, this is 
1975, and this is, you know, if you're, if you're an, um, a, um, you know, an artist or if you are, a, uh, you know, you might be interested in this, where they were trying to find a, they found us this secret room while they were trying to find a way to get, allow people, uh, more people into the chapel. Uh, and uh, there is, there is a secret room. And I think they were allowing four or five people in once. Um, it is a uh, 13, 13 by 10 foot room. And there are some paintings on the wall, which some scholars believe are Michelangelo's and maybe some scholars believe they're not. But the allure of this thing, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, are they or not? I mean, yeah. to think that it was, you know, 19, since seven, 1975, this room was, they've only found it then. So how do you, you know, I find it kind of interesting. Mm. I find it neat when you hear that, eh? I, they yeah, only I found this room then in this space, but we're talking yeah. mammoth places, of course. It's a mammoth place. Yeah, that, yeah. how could you, how could it be missed? It's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I know a lot of history buffs or like you say, maybe the artists, the people who would really want to see and feel like you're being let in on something, especially when we talk a person's process, right? Yes. And their mind, right? Hey, this is where they were. This is where they came up with. This is where this song was written or, or whatever it might be. This is the inspiration. That's just fascinating. Well, this is half the conversation, more than half the mm -hmm. conversation, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, the other part of it is just the art and the interpretation of ourselves. But yeah, when you're really yeah. talking about this is, you know, it's like now having interviews and documentaries filmed on authors, on artists, on the process of a TV show, whatever it is. Like, we just love the deep dive, and uh, it makes you feel like you're more intentional about what you're experiencing with art. Knowledgeable, right? Mm. And you understand it more, especially things from the past where we don't know what was going on. Like, we could sit here and say... Yeah, I decided to write this when, and, and we just finished reading our Stephen King book, which had a lot of the stuff fresh to us about COVID. So those certain little moments about masks, about this, yeah. about that, during that time, you or when it first started, and we believed this and we knew in five years we'll so know so much more or think totally different. Our knowledge will be just, you know, it'll be so different. And we know that, but when someone reminds you and you snap back to that time, but this is a time we weren't even there. And uh, what what was he thinking? What was, and for him, it's just the same as us. It's just the same old another day. Fascinating. Yeah, you know, what I do when I go into a Pioneer Village or these places, I try to transport myself into the moment. Into the time. And I went, you know, you know what about Weathering Heights? How would Heathcliff... Mm. How would he treat a blind person? Um, yeah. I mean, I always yeah. wonder, I always are fascinated with history. You go into a castle and I transplant, what's it like to live there? You know, what would Especially it be like? You, don't, blind, you wouldn't yeah. have heard planes. You wouldn't have, like, no, even just that's to think, right. there's so many areas. You go to a pioneer village and you still hear, you know, and like, yeah, but it's not the same because back then everything would have sounded, there would have been more trees. No, you know, no this, no that, like more. It, it's so. When you put yourself in that position, and it's not possible to know, it's like going to you know New York City without cars on the road. Yet it could be so yeah. busy in old London or or New York. Bill, uh, the control room gang found a little item for us: five to ten proposals a day on, on the, the Eiffel Tower. Tower. Oh. Five yeah. to oh, well. ten of them. Thanks, guys, for that. That's that's fascinating. When you really think about it, guys, like wow, and and not a surprise, but I would love to know about 
what are the top five destinations like that. Jack, we'll talk to you next Wednesday, pal. All right. We'll talk later. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, the Best of the Buzz drops this weekend as it does it on the first Saturday of every month. Find that on your favorite podcast platform. Bill Shackleton will be back with us next week for The Buzz beginning on Wednesday. In our next hour of our program, let's get the conversations from the past week on Cut for Time. We'll get into some things there. Also, there's more controversy in the audiobook world. We'll find out about the, uh, with narrated books and, narr and, sorry, AI and narrated books. Ryan Huey has that for you. Up next, the World Series concluded on Wednesday with Texas winning it all. Brock Richardson arrives with his sports update. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Second hour of the program. Welcome back. Appreciate you being with us. Ramya's right there in the main campus at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at our studio, home studio, London, Ontario, and at his home studio to come to talk, as he likes to do at the beginning of our second hour on Fridays, sports, Mr. Brock Richardson. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. At this point, I generally ask, Brock, what's your leadoff item? But I sense, Hark, maybe here is more of it. Brock has something he wants to say. Am I correct, Mr. Richardson? Something nope, you not today. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> not today. I not thought to we've given you enough already <laughs> that for sure. He is not engaging. No, I'm glad wow. we didn't have him with us on the break. My goodness, Terrible he'd be broadcaster, going on. my goodness. Still, what happened to the yes and attitude? <laughs> He'd still be laughing at the stuff you were saying on the break that's not fit for radio. No, no. Or television. If, uh, Kelly, or if that. What happens on the back <laughs> channel? Sorry. If I started if I started talking about it, it would be very obvious that I wasn't paying attention. So, so <laughs> that's why not today. Uh, All right, pal. Well, let's get into the leadoff item then, man. What do you have for us? <laughs> so today I wanted to chat, and I usually bring you guys a story or something that's been going on, but today I wanted to talk about the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors sit here and they are two wins and four losses. They've uh, lost to the Portland Trailblazers and they've lost twice to the Philadelphia 76ers and they lost once to the Chicago Bulls. If we look at this, first of all, they should have won against the Portland Trailblazers. That should have sure. been a win. Then they should have won against the Chicago Bulls, in my opinion. The way that game just totally... Things were happening. Referees were involved. Not going to get into that. This is a team that should have been four and four as we sit here. Sure, you gave you gave two away to Philadelphia. I, I can live with that. But I think what we're looking at now is this is a team under Darko Ryakovich who is learning systems, who is doing the right things, and they're playing really, really good for some portions of most of their games. However, what we need to see now is putting it all together and saying we need to see this all together, like we saw with Milwaukee, where they basically blew the doors off them and said, yeah, we're just going to come in here and, and beat you guys up, no problem. And then they fall to Philadelphia. For, so for me, this is an inconsistent Toronto Raptors team, but the one thing you and I talked about, Kelly, offline was the back-to-backs, and I know you have some strong feelings on this, so I'll let you 
run with this one. Well, I just want to say, too, that Philly is a different beast. And uh, unfortunately, I, when I see people getting to the line uh, through fouls and scoring, problem. Uh, when I see run runouts because we've had a turnover, which is all about the learning the systems that you spoke of, this is all new. They, they are huge in defense right now. Love to see that. Their offense is better than I've seen it in a while on a seemingly more consistent basis, maybe until teams take them more serious. Back-to-backs, um, we have this system in the NBA where you'll get a game, maybe I'll go to another town, play a game the next night. Um, they've even done this back-to-back where you may play two games in the same location. I'm not sure how big that's going to be this year. I haven't looked at the schedule enough to know. Last year, they started right away with it. I'm a believer that if you have back-to-back games when it comes to basketball, you should either be playing the same team or... And I mean back-to-back in the same location or going to one, playing in one barn and going to the other cities, you know, the other team's barn and doing it. Or the team you're playing on Wednesday after your Tuesday night game should have had a Tuesday night game as well. I don't see the use of this. I know they'll say, well, to fit the schedule in, this is what we're doing. But yet you could do that, have back-to-backs with the same team since you're doing it on a Wednesday and then seeing them again on a Monday or something like that. Put the games together. Put them in the same place because it's not like you don't have a November 1st game with with a team, Milwaukee or whoever, and play them again in the same in Milwaukee, uh, you know, again two weeks later. Impress it. Change it. I just think when you talk about the product of basketball and if you have a back-to-back against a weaker team and then, you know, you're playing a a stronger team, a top five team, okay, um, if the opponents work that way, but not when you have two top five teams back-to-back. It's just crazy. And when it's not necessary, it's kind of like baseball moving away from double headers, having more venues where you don't have to have two games in a row. Certain fans, Kelly, Used to love that. And I think that, yeah, you're playing a sport. You're a top athlete in the world. These are the challenges of being having millions of dollars to do this. Do it. Yeah. But I also think well, as a fan, I don't want to watch garbage play because halfway through the second game back to back, your legs are giving out because you're not a bionic. Why am I finding out, like, at the beginning of the game that Philadelphia didn't play uh, since Sunday and the Toronto Raptors are coming off of a back to like when I heard that the other night, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like this is like, it's not even a comparable of, Oh, they had one night off. No, they had essentially half a week off before we had a, like, that's not appropriate. Well, people are going to get upset about resting people. I paid money to see so-and-so. How come he's not playing? We're resting him. Well, you know what? Why worry about that, folks, when we have these lame back-to-back games where you're you're watching a game that is so terrible because one of the teams played last night and got into town at 5 o'clock in the morning and has another game to play. So, yeah, that's the way I see it, Mr. Richardson. I agree. Mr. Richardson, I want to talk about NHL a little bit. Um, You have some significant thoughts about the back of goaltending situation in Toronto's. What are those thoughts? This is something that really bothers me. And it's not just Toronto, but it's seemingly Toronto seems to be this team that says, we're going to run with both of our goalies, Elio Samsonov and Joseph Wool. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to, we're going to do this until we're blue in the face. And to me, this is kind of ridiculous. I understand the fact that you're going to get your backup goaltender to play, you know, 20 25 games in a season i get that but this whole back and forth is ridiculous it's not helping the toronto maple leafs because you're throwing Ilya samsonov in a game last night against boston didn't look too bad but wasn't great 
then, you know, this whole back and forth just bothers me. To me, it's pick one and let that person have the net because there's nothing worse than you you have the net one night and then you got to sit and go back and go back. Like, let them have a little bit of the feel and and get on a rhythm with the team as opposed to doing this tennis game of back and forth. Pick one and move on. And I agree. I, I Obviously, it's a team who hasn't, when they don't know, but I don't know how you can know. And we were going back to just what you were saying with Raptors. Last year, we saw a lot of guys sit on the bench that now we're, they're having to use and we're seeing them get a chance to get better, to be better in real game activity. And I think that's the way, you know, ideally you have an idea of who your starter is and who your backup is, even though you've got to make sure to run your backup out there. Of course, uh, I struggle with it, Brock, because goaltenders are at such a premium in the NHL. There's just not enough people, not enough goaltenders to go around. And no. quality goaltenders is another subject altogether. Yeah. Uh, baseball. Sorry. Let's go to baseball. Let's talk a little World Series. Could you bring us uh, up to speed on this World Series, which has terrible numbers, I might add, by the way, folks, uh, between the Texas <laughs> yeah. Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks? Yeah, it's uh, it's over. The Texas Rangers have won the uh, game. And I have to be honest with you, I got a feel for Arizona Diamondbacks starting pitcher Zach Gallen, who literally threw seven innings of no-hit baseball, and then the bullpen came in and just totally, totally puked it up on them. I mean, this was a team that really most people should would have said, yeah, they shouldn't have really been there, and that's all well and good. But guess what? At the end of the day, they were there, and they deserved to be there. I felt bad for their starting pitcher. I got a shout-out, uh, Texas Rangers player Mitch Garver, who who did some filling in for Adolis Garcia, who was outstanding and right in the thick of it and really, really did an amazing job. And then Corey Seager, what can you say about the MVP, the guy who won the MVP? So the Texas Rangers deservedly so win this this World Series, and they're going to come back next year and be guns a-blazing yet again because most of this team stays how they are. Yeah. Mm. I get tired of the whole... Well, yeah, but that Arizona had no business being there. Yes, folks, but funny enough, you know what? Why? They were. And that's all to it. It's it's timing, and that's just the way it is. Rocky, I want to bring up curling because the season's begun and Canada's participating in the Pan-Continental Cup. So tell us how things are going there. Yes, so we are in the latter stages of this tournament. Uh, We have... Team Canada, two Team Canada's, a men's, a women's side. On the men's side, we have Brad Gushu. On the women's side, we have Kerry Anderson and her rink. I, I got to be honest with you and tell you that Kerry Anderson and her rink look this week like they were a bit tired. And they had uh, four wins and three losses through the round robin. They're playing against the United States and going to play the uh, the for the bronze medal. Uh, they lost to Korea in a semifinal game, 8-4, to four, which they didn't look very good at all. Uh, so this is early season. I expect Gary Anderson to be right where she needs to be and be there when the time comes for the, for the season and the season of championships, which will come up with the Scotty's tournament of hearts and the world championships and things like that, but kind of a, a tough start for her on the men's side. We're looking at Brad Gushu, who had a really solid record of five and one in the, uh, round Robin and rolled through the semifinal against the United States and, is going to be going on to the gold medal game, which you can catch tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern time, or sorry, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And you have to catch that online because it is a streamed event. It's not on conventional television. 
top five teams get an automatic berth into the world championships next season. What's your thoughts on this? I understand you have to draw a line somewhere. You have to say, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Both Canada, Canada's obviously have made it through. That's fine. But it's tough for these countries who say, yeah, we qualified, but yet we may not be the team that represents the, the, the country. For me, it's a tough one because it's like, why do we send our people back to the national championships and let those people fight it out when you could say, you know, in my mind, Carrie Anderson and Brad Gushu for Canada are the two best teams in Canada, no doubt. But the the quality of play in Canada and international is very tough. So the likelihood of you coming back and representing in your spot is not as easy as it may seem. Some countries do, uh, you know, allow their their people to you know go and participate. But in a in a depth field like Canada, United States, Sweden. Uh, Russia, when they're allowed to play, that those are the depths of field that it's like you may not see the same team that qualified, and it's very very hard for me to stomach. And I've been on both ends of it, guys, where it's like, yeah, we wanted to qualify, we did qualify, but maybe we didn't make it. Well, the government, when you come to funding, they look at the team that qualified, not the team right. that's going and representing. Wow, that could be real tight, real tough. Uh, Brock, and really a heartbreaker when you think about it, all the work that people put into it, and they may not be on that roster come Olympics time or whatever. Thanks, pal. Thank you. Brock Richardson hits us with the latest sports update from him. We do this on Fridays here on the program. Uh, please join us next Friday when he returns to the program. Up next, there's more controversy in the audiobook world regarding AI-narrated books. This should be a great conversation presided over by Ryan Huey with the Chatty Bookshelf. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Check out AMI Plus if you would, folks. The new platform features a slick, modern look and puts AMI original award-winning content right at the forefront. AMI is fully compatible with accessible, uh, sorry, accessible technologies, including screen readers and magnifiers. And uh, Windows, Apple, and Android platforms, of course, it's quite comfortable with all those devices as well. Check it out. Visit amiplus.ca. That's amiplus.ca. And uh, get to know it now. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. It's time for the Chatty Bookshelf. This is when we talk audiobooks on Fridays with Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, we're in November now. Um, how's it going? How's it going for audiobooks? And uh, what do you want to tell us? Hey guys, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I can't believe it's November already. Yeah. Halloween is, uh, I don't want to say long past, but uh, done and over with. And uh, you know what, we might be about a week early on this, but guys, check out those uh, reposts and social media posts from all uh, publishers, audiobook uh, wholesalers and everything, because we're getting into the big season where it's American mm -hmm. Thanksgiving and Black Friday. So those sales are going to be pumping out. I would say probably by about Thursday of next week just to get you on the bus and going hard on them. So take a look and see what you like because I see Audible already has one going uh, at audible.com, not audible.ca, but I know that that one's going to be coming out very, very soon for all you Audible lovers out there. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. Mm. So where is that place, Ryan? If you at this time of the year were asked to go sit there at a publisher or, you know, publishing house, which one would you pick now that you feel is that leader when it comes to audiobooks out there? Is it one of the publishing houses? Where would you go to sit in those boardrooms and listen to them plan out what the what this big season is going to be like? Oh, wow. Uh, do I have to pick one publisher? Because there's no, no, I'd no. Choose the big three, probably, you know, HarperCollins, Penguin Audio, uh, the oof, hashtag audio. There's the, the, just to make a few out there. There's graphic audio as well. They got some really good things going on. And that 3D sound stuff that they had for Halloween really made me uh, consider them uh, making that jump into the big, uh, into the big boys. But publisher wise, I think I'd do that. I think I would love to hear what they're talking about author wise narrator wise but uh you know you, you can't discount audiobooks.com or audible or some of the other ones uh maybe even the project gutenberg people that we're going to be talking about here in a bit too but i think that might be where i start and where i get to really look at what sales they are coming out what they're pushing forward because they would even probably have the secrets to hey we're just doing this book we're looking to re release it in this time frame what do you guys think and i think i'd have some really good uh really good feedback or really good insights mm. into that mm -hmm. as well because yeah, now how? now right? throughout exactly. the Media year would be great yep sorry go ahead Ron. no it's okay now throughout the year like every month has something if not a special day every month that we can you know look forward to but specifically with uh books and audiobooks like with literature there's something to look forward to every month and i i think that people are doing a really great job just kind of keeping each other posted and now a lot of things feel regular like we know when audio sync audiobook sync is coming out we know when audiobook month is we know when you know the marketing side of things is uh, doing pretty well right uh, but guess what? That's when they get you. They're going to toss out something new I now know. and be like, hey, this is this month and we're going to do this for this month. And it's going to be co yes. completely ebook, audiobook, uh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think that's what's going to come next. Fantastic. It's overwhelming sometimes, but it's fantastic news. <laughs> so, what do you want to talk about today? I don't know. Is AI making a comeback? A comeback? I think it's more of it. <laughs> Come never faster leaves. than we would have we would have thought so <laughs> yeah, i don't know that you're going to be able to tell robot from human in this next story uh it's really interesting because what's happening now is with project gutenberg which is an online website that houses about 60 to 75,000 ebooks uh which is the electronic books so your kindle stuff and uh, all that pdfs those sorts of things that make them accessible having siri and other voices read them out loud has now kind of partnered with mit microsoft and google to produce 5,000 hours of ai generated audiobook content based on those books inside and it comes out to be about initially about 10,000 audiobooks uh but there could be a little bit more on the horizon there but what's interesting about this is that it's all AI. However, they're using in the voice of Kelly McDonald or in the voice of Ryan Hui. So they're kind of using these narrator kind of focused, I, I guess, AI stuff. And what's scary is they only need about 16 seconds of that person's voice to get a 1 million word kind of prototype of that person's voice, which is really scary to me. Mm. Are you a sellout? If you agree to let them use your voice, guys, I don't I, think I'm you even have to agree anymore. I think they're just you don't using think it legally. And you don't think legally? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's all about how you market it and how you put it in. If you're not going to, you know, I, I think it's all about in the voice of 
uh, where it's like, you know, let's say a cover artist for a song is doing, I'm going to do the song of, uh, you know, Sweet Home right. Alabama in the in the sound of Leonard Skinner, but you know, it's a cover song. So it's, it's, there's a way around it. I think that's how they're going to get around this. Uh, and what's really interesting is the way that they've, they've they put this in, into focus is they're using this for research so we're not marketing out we're researching to say what are the benefits what are the drawbacks what are the this and that of ai narration but i think this question should be should we be using it at all because you know hardworking people are doing this and yes i understand the we're going to put out so many more books so much more quickly but i don't know that this is the way to do it and the tagline of this at the end of it is Oh, we plan to do all 65,000 books in the Gutenberg uh, library. So it's like, don't tell me it's for research when you plan to do it all, because I don't think that's what's happening here. If it's sort of a research or a jump into, don't you think you'd only do a select few? And they're marketing it. It's, oh, there's something for everybody from Edgar Allan Poe all the way to the Bernstein Bear. So you're, you're marketing it to kids and all the way up to all those, uh, the, 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 I guess, the classics, right? Hmm. So the, the, uh, the one thing I just want to add before I let Ron mm -hmm. take the floor here, because I know you'll have a lot on this. I've got my own feelings. But the one thing I'll say, Ryan, is I think it's different than music because music's established as that's Ryan's song, Ryan Huey's. And whether you cover it or not, um, you know, like, OK, you might say it's like a karaoke thing and OK, but no one's recording that, making mm -hmm. money off it. So, so I think that's your outclaw. This, an audio book, if someone's not read you. it. And they're using Ramya's voice to do it because she's a well-known narrator and she signed a contract legally to allow people to utilize her voice in that way. That's what I fear until we get to where you don't even need to necessarily have a sample from anyone where the voice itself that can be made up through AI is just as good from what, I mean, what they've done. So no one can claim, that's my voice you're using. No, no, it's mm. not. We, we, it's a voice that was composed by AI. Yeah. Go ahead, Rum. Sorry. And I that's what I was going to say. This. Like, we're already at the point where we can take a voice, whether it's a real voice or a sample of a voice that was stripped of a real impression and manipulate it, right? Like, that's not right. new. Uh, we're already no, there. So no. uh, yeah. we can easily just work around the rights. We know this with music. We know that when a melody is copywritten, uh, we we can make sound alikes where there's enough information about the brain and how we process things to be like, oh, that reminds me of Chris Brown's With You, but it's not, and it's legally not, so no one can get sued for it, um, but there's that impression of, right? And honestly, this is a bigger conversation just about art and rights and who owns and who should own and all of these things. But going back to the, the particular thing about AI and narration, one thing that I'm trying to get myself on board with is holding both arguments. So the first argument is what you're saying, you know, if human narration is valued, it's impressive, there's so much work that's gone into it. We, you know, historically have gone gotten to this place. Uh, it's taken so long, right? And now we're talking about payment and all of these other things. Like, why are we just dismissing humans altogether? That's one thing. But the other thing is, Ryan, synth audio narration is not new either. We have so much synthetic, synthetic audio just to, again, contribute to wide distribution of uh, ebooks turned audio, right? So ebooks are more available. Right. We want yeah. the audio of this. So synth audio is something we can use. Like you go on the Sela collection, something's not available in human narration, you can get it in synth audio. Ugh, nobody wants that, but whatever. And now, the other way that we can think about this is that synth audio is improving. So not just that it's, you know, 
the one side of it, of course, of the spectrum is that human narration uh, is potentially going to become obsolete. But the other side is, okay, really, though, synthetic audio has improved drastically thanks to AI. Um, I'm not sure if we're ever going to strike a balance, honestly. No, and I think there's so a couple of things to consider here too mm. is, you know, when it, when do the publishers get involved? You know, if you're air quotes stealing money from the publishers because they have Kelly McDonald signed to a deal yeah. and, you know, they get their big lawyers involved. And then the other thing is when you look at TikTok now, and we'll go back to the music industry quickly with this, you can use X amount of seconds of a Britney Spears song before you get to you exactly. before you get sued. And that's what I think they're doing where it's like, we only need 16 seconds of someone's voice. So you're, you're, you're yeah. toying with that gray area where it's before you get the, the copyright. And like, you know, there was the, you know, the, the game Wordle, there's that song, uh, this there used to be the song game uh, Hurdle or whatever. And they did that before, uh, the, you know, you only use a certain amount of seconds and then you don't have to pay for the song and you could use any song you right. wanted. And I think that's where this comes into play as well, where we're only using, let's say, 10 to 15 seconds yeah. of Ryan Hui's voice. And now we're getting a one million word vocabulary out of it is that that's how we're getting around it. And we didn't it. And it's all, steal like, it. We, yeah, didn't we didn't go didn't, into exactly. their private things. Yeah. Like it, there, there's yeah. so many ways to argue around the fair use of people's voices. And that's why I'm saying we're going to eventually get to a point, we're already there pretty much, where it, it, is it even possible to argue against this? Is it possible to sue or to say, hey, this is unfair use of my voice? Because it's out there already, right? Like just well, all and, of us here, our voices are out there already. I think you're right on the level, Ram, of how we, we talked about how long we've had narration. We've had books and we laugh at some of the daisy books. <laughs> Who are you? We laugh, but there was never a means to make that stuff better. better. Now you have an industry where people are spending money, where the publishers, everybody has the money to do this stuff, where celebrities are on board and so on. But it's such, when you think about it, it's such a blip in time. That we've had these narrators because, like you said, Rum, we don't need a human. We're to basically bridging the gap, and AI is just taking create, it there. Yeah, we can create it, and you have an audience who is not familiar. Their view is: if I pay for something, I don't care if it's a sinful. I'm not endearing to so and so narrator because I haven't spent my life listening. This has been a great ten years having these voices that I'm listening to. But hey, if I can get more access to more books, those yeah. of us who are print restricted who say sky's the limit, no more of this. Oh well, there's only ten percent of the books in the world. Oh, less absolutely, than that, folks, it's just... that are available. You now could get eighty percent of the books in the world in yeah. different voice. You in time will be able to choose. I want it to sound like I want it read by a female. Mm. I want it to sound like someone with yes. this accent. And then the control it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And, and accents that you're comfortable with, languages that you want it in. That's we like just within have five to years. find our footing again. As with everything, humans have to find our footing again in this industry. And it may mm. not be what it looks like right now. It may not be what it was 10 years ago, but we, we will adapt. I believe that. It's well, just where... The industry will call for us exactly. to be. Yeah. Most of us would rather, most normal people who just want to read a book I'm sorry, they're not as interested. This isn't acting. This isn't watching Brad, you know, Brad Pitt. This is a voice to them as far as they know. And that the average person mm -hmm. is only interested in yeah. hearing the book and not having to read it. So, and it's all out there, like you guys said, you know, so it's like, and I wonder now the, the marketing of it, are we going to see, a, let's say, a To Kill a Mockingbird uh, read by AI, or is there going to be some sort of something on there where well, it, it dignifies you? I have my, can't tell, so would, would, would they I have have my yeah. favorite. I have my favorite Jaws voices or voice. We all have our yeah. favorite. Exactly. Yeah. You we, choose. I, as again, soon as you get your phone, you pick it. 
this is already out there as well. Us choosing our own synthesizers, us making our own decisions on what we want our voices to sound like. So yeah, we're we're just tiptoeing around all these things because they're not as big yet, but they are going to just continue getting bigger because AI is just sweeping through this, right? And I think they're just going to slide right into it, just like when I it's check out Crave away. movies, mm -hmm. and the Crave movies have more simp voices reading the description yep. than human. Yep. Nobody's crying about it. Nobody's saying enough. I'm sure narrators Some that were doing are. it are speaking yeah. up saying, hey, hey, but the average person is only interested and there are yep. far more average people who are just more interested and say, oh, that's even more books. Yeah. Look at all these audio books I can download for this price. And when you know, I just have to pay this by the system exactly. as a publisher, create it, put feed it in and it's done with. I don't have to hire that idiot Kelly Ethics, to come in morality. here and take up my studio time. All that stuff versus convenience. Of course, we're going to go convenience. Yeah. Majority of us. And what happens with been... the strike, right? If mm. You don't. It doesn't. You don't have to worry about any striking because the AI is not going to strike. There's, there's not going to be there. And you're not <laughs> stealing anything, right? You're still going to sell exactly. the books. The, yeah. the, the writer so still is still going to get the money. Oh yeah. That's... There's the only thing you're cutting out is studio time, technician time, reader time, and you know you're still going to need editing just to be sure for a while until you actually mm -hmm. get egotistical enough. The AI is going to get good at that, perfect. and then we won't need it. And Ryan. the thing that's, uh, that, that boggles my mind is like, you know, they, they're saying Roman numerals as I. So it's like, oh, Roman I instead of Roman one. And that's, you know, you, the I, AI is not quite there. But no, once it but gets it's machine there, learning. It's, yeah. you're not in, in 10 be, minutes, it will be. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 All it needs to do is pull from old audiobooks anyways and see how the narrator did it. <laughs> Just copycat that. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much. We got to go. We, like, we're completely out of time. But this is a riveting conversation. Thank you. Take care, guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks, pal. A lot to think about when we have these AI discussions, and every time we come in here with more context and more learnings. But Ryan will be back next week. We'll see what's in store on the Chatty Bookshelf then. Incredibly behind the eight ball on that if you're a narrator. I, I, it actually frightening. It's yeah, sad. Of course it is. Um, it just seems like we had narrators' legitimacy in audiobooks for a whole hour. Coming up next on the program, let's revisit and uh, weigh in on conversations from the past week on Cut for Time when we return with more on Kelly and Rumya. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Missed out on our conversation with Ryan Huey before the break, folks. Check it out via the podcast. Subscribe to Kelly and Ramya using your favorite podcast platform. If you don't mind, give us a rating and review. Uh, I think uh, I think we upset him, but. It happens that way, but you know we know we where Ryan stands. We ourselves all the time, yeah. Well, you feel bad for the potential narrators out there, um, but on the other hand, on the horizon, infinite amounts of books available to us. No more ten percent, maybe eighty-five, ninety-five percent of the books will that be accessible. That is the spectrum. Yeah. Oh, uh, we welcome also to join us Grant Hardy, who's also been shaken up by that last conversation and AI overall, <sighs> but. Oh, Grant, we'll save that for another day. Let's let's get to what we've got here since Rumya made right. us late in the we'll last segment. Wowing, crying. Oh, the crying that <laughs> went on. This is your cut oh, for time, goodness. Grant. You can swap oh, over and start good. talking AI. <laughs> yeah, you can just switch or leap off of whatever your subject is here, which we'll get to in a few moments, <laughs> and suddenly include AI. Rumya uh, is going to start us off as we look at some of the segments from the past week, and uh, I'll hand it to you, Rum. Okay. We're going back to Wednesday's show. Greg David joined us to talk about the untimely passing of Matthew Perry. Uh, he played Chandler in Friends, and we talked about Friends. Here he is touching on some of the cast members' story of getting on the show. The casting director for Friends shortlisted 1,000 actors who had applied for each role. 
each role. Uh, and so they whittled that down to 75. Um, uh, Marta Kaufman, uh, the, the executive producers, had worked with David Schwimmer in the past. So they uh, wrote the character of Ross with him in mind. And he was the very first actor cast. And funnily enough, he was viewed as the star of the show. So it yeah. became very much yeah. an ensemble. But in the very beginning, the idea was that it was going to be based around David Schwimmer's character I more think so than the others. something to anchor from. Jeez. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, Courtney Cox wanted to play the role of Monica because she liked the strong characters. But the producers had her in mind to play Rachel because of her cheery, upbeat energy. Um, that was not how they envisioned Monica. So they decided that they wanted Courtney Cox to uh, to play Rachel. But after she auditioned for the role, they agreed with Courtney Cox and she got the role mm. of, of Monica. So but there was a time in my life where Friends was basically background noise. It was white noise for me. I would just replay it over and over and over again. It would be uh, on all the time. I knew the episodes by storyline, if not by like actual lines that characters were speaking. And then I went into an absolute deep dive of how people got cast and the interviews of all the, the different cast members. I really fell in love with the um, show and thought that I was getting a lot of the the people behind it as well and their personalities and their come-ups from the show. But what really hit me is um, Matthew Perry when he brought out his memoir. And I guess before his memoir as well. To be fair, there were, in the last couple of years, he, times where he's spoken very candidly about his struggle with um, mental health, with addiction and substance abuse and um, alcoholism, just all kinds of things. But it was a shock to the system for so many Friends fans because I think a lot of us felt, like, guilty for not realizing, not understanding that this man had been going through pretty much 10 years of struggle and uh, some would argue the worst of the struggle during his time on Friends. And so uh, when he started talking about it, we were like, whoa. What do you mean? And then we started going back and watching episodes, watching seasons, and he would say, you know, during season five, this is what was happening with me during season eight. And if you notice my weight gain and weight loss throughout the series, you could tell. And not just fans, cast members came out and started to talk about uh, when they were interviewed or when the conversations were appropriate enough, would talk about how they felt like things were going on, but nobody wanted to touch the subject. And so much of this is just around how much we would leave an elephant in the room, you know, and, and be uh, cautious not to bring up things or to tiptoe around a subject. Or even if you felt like you cared enough, you wanted to be there for a person, you so badly wanted them to know that you could, uh, you wanted to support them, how could you? How could you touch that topic? It's such a, a tender part of a person's experience and identity, and you don't know what to do or how to be there. And then when he came out with his memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, uh, he talked so openly, and it gave a lot of people permission, and I'm, I'm definitely sure that it gave himself permission to talk about all this stuff that has happened with him. And uh, up until you know, him writing the actual memoir and beyond that, there were health conditions that he brought up, etc. I think some big lesson for me in all of this is just that feel, as I've explained, of feeling like you 
know somebody, know the person, and these are celebrities, obviously we don't know them, but, you know, still feeling like you were a super fan, you you definitely know who they are, how they present themselves, and you feel like you're going through things with them as you go through the shows, the characters, you bond with them, and so many people feel that way about friends, and yet there are such deep stories that we don't get to know, and such loneliness and isolation that people feel uh, that we don't fully understand and i guess in a in a way it's a huge revelation once we get to uh, places with people if they're able to write about it the way that matthew perry has or decide to open up about it the way he has which i'm sure was very very difficult for him grant yeah I, there's a lot of suffering in the world there really is and i think with a lot of these shows i'll be honest friends is a show i've been meaning to watch uh, because I just love the style of of uh, sitcom. Uh, mm. So because I haven't watched it, I, I may be a little off in terms of my, my facts. But essentially, you know, you watch a sitcom like this, especially something, you know, where the character the person plays is very close to their real life, kind of, you know, like Seinfeld, let's say, where the character is literally a comedian. But no matter what it is, yeah, you, you know, you kind of feel as though you know them. You know, you're part of the family. And their lives often just seem so simple and you know comical and joyous in in certain respects and then you realize that there's a lot that's hidden away and uh you don't always really get to see the full picture and that's really the case for everybody that that person you know smiling next to you joking around whatever it's like unbelievable kelly that they may be struggling but that's just the fact of the matter yeah, um, actor Tyler Christopher passed away this week as well, and uh, we afterward hear a lot about struggles he had had, um, substance abuse, and just getting through. And I know a lot of actors through my time doing theatre, and it's that people will say, well, were they crying out for help? And I think a lot of what the people who have gotten out there, as we learn, and advocated, this is the problem I'm going through. And once they get to the point, and there's that time in acting in our, unfortunately, um, and, and anything to do with entertainment, you kept everything as quiet as possible. It was not in your best interest to be open or to share these problems with the outside world. Don't do it. And so many people ended up, Matthew Perry, having to try to deal with stuff on their mm. own. And they got to where they said, forget that. I got to help other people because that helps me. And I think for those of us who cannot reach out to have helped or supported, even when we, if we heard about this before or any other people struggling who are open enough to say so, what they're basically wanting us to do, I would think, is help the people we can reach. The people in our world listen, understand, exercise tolerance that sometimes we don't have. And I don't mean just impatience. I just mean we're all carrying on with our own things in our world. Oh, yeah, so so and so seems so down today. They seem like they're struggling lately, but I'm busy. I'll get to them later. I'll call them, just check in on them over the weekend. Well, and unfortunately, in some cases, there isn't an over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what people, um, Tyler and Matthew, would, would probably say, yeah, but you got enough people around you. you no, know, you, I may not know you. You may not be able to reach me. Help somebody else. Sticking with our show on Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, we spoke with Toronto student Sterling Wan about his project. This is amazing because it was uh, part of the recent Canada-wide science fair, and here he is explaining a bit more. Yeah, so in the Canada-wide science fair, uh, me and my partner Ethan, also at my school, we worked on a project that 
a device that could create both clean water and create clean electricity. So it was sort of a two-in-one system that allowed water to evaporate and made that water into clean water. Oh, this is brilliant. Um, why this project? Yeah, because um, I think as a Torontonian, especially, like we have access to clean water and sometimes mm -hmm. we forget our communities far away from us without access to clean electricity, with electricity and clean water, yes. and that life can be difficult. So my partner, when he was younger, he went to China. So, um, and he was able to see some of the communities that wasn't able to have as much clean water. And that was some something inspirational towards the creation of this project. I'm going to go a little way away from his topic and things he shared with us in that conversation, because I encourage you to check out our podcast and hear it if you missed it um, from our conversation with him the other day. But the beautiful thing that Sterling did that I thought was so great was right there talking about a suggestion. How come? The inspiration for the idea. His friend, he also through it mentioned somebody who worked on something to help people in the low vision and blind community. This young man, and you stop and say, well, he's science. He's, he's very smart. In that. But you know what? Not everybody has that gift to be able to explain to us. Maybe I don't want to say the layman, but we're not there. We're not part of this. He was so versed and wonderful to listen to it made it so exciting to have him talk about this this portion of STEM and what he's doing. But it was a real honor for me as a host to have this young man come on the show, calm, collected, and aware. Um, it gives me such a feeling of this is a person that's aware of what's going on around them. You may have picked up some of the background noise in, in the back. He, he commented on that. Being aware that guy, sorry, you're probably hearing some people talk in the hallway, carried on with what he had to say. That awareness is the kind of awareness I want, finding out answers for me, to explaining things to me, leading my country, if you want to say that. And, and this is a 17-year-old boy, and it was so wonderful that he had the time at the last minute. We we got him on the show actually fairly quickly, as Grant will attest to. And, you know, Ramya, I found it so refreshing just to have this kind of guest visit with us for a little bit on the show. And I thank him and I thank him for being so darn prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, prepared. And, you know, what I really uh, appreciated about the way he communicated was that it was, it was a scientist. Like you, you could tell that he was in a very growth mindset, that he appreciated the depths of learning and to uh, understand and to help and all of these other fantastic things that come with being part of science and, and taking part in experiments and helping each other out. But at the essence of it, there's a lot of just experiment and growth and disappointment, but being able to move forward, learning and taking things as you go and learning from not just yourself and not just what you're willing to put on the table, but what everybody else is bringing to the table as well. And uh, being able to kind of blend that all together and say, hey, if it's not this, it might be that. And I think that that is such a, a healthy way of looking at science, looking at the world, and then being able to, like you said, Kels, communicate that with other people, just in the sure. energy of it. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was so great. Grant, your feeling, and you've got one more for us. Yeah, I, I just think it's, did you guys ever notice how, like, practical and pragmatic scientists are? Mm -hmm. I just love yes. it so much. It makes me smile because <laughs> I'm thinking of myself. I'd be like, I don't want to, you know, brag or anything, throw around, you know, the hero word. But, you know, I'm trying to, uh, 
you know, develop a system for clean water, but right. you listen to that guy and it, I don't, wouldn't really do that. I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> you listen to that guy. He's like, Oh, you know, I just came up, this seemed like a good experiment to go with creating clean water because some people don't have it. So, you know, we're trying to advance the scientific, you know, method to incorporate that. Like they're just very <laughs> logical and practical, mm -hmm. really like scientists should actually probably be leading the world because they're just so like, so logical about everything. I don't know how we're doing for time. We're tight, Grant, so you'll only have time. We can play and let you well, comment. listen to you. Okay. Uh, Fern Lalam talked about fear and the psychology behind it yesterday. Here she is defining fear. Fear is an emotional response, and it is triggered by a perceived threat or danger or an anticipation of harm. Something harmful is coming, and we are afraid of it. So it can manifest itself in various ways and in various different levels of intensity. You know, sometimes it's really bad, sometimes it's not so bad, we can handle it. But um, it can often lead to us sort of having changes in our thoughts, in our behavior, in how we feel in our body. You know, that, like I mentioned, the heart starts racing, the sweaty palms, all of that. And you can really start feeling that fear coming on. So it's that thought of something is coming and it's going to potentially be bad for me, essentially. You know, I'll try and be quick here, but one idea I would really be interested in exploring, should have asked her about this yesterday, is where fear intersects with other uh, emotions that, or qualities that people judge you for or see as foibles, such as, for example, people saying that you're lazy. So I think sometimes, you know, people who are struggling with their mental health, maybe have a disability, uh, just have some some past trauma, uh, may, for example, you know, sort of uh, just stick around the, the home, you know, they don't really seem to be able to kind of accomplish, get the kinds of things done that maybe you think they should be able to. Uh, and we often just attribute that to, to laziness. But I wonder if we really delved into it, whether it be less laziness and more about this really powerful magnet of like fear that is like, I could, you know, try and go out, I could try and do this, but I'm just remembering like some of these terrible things that, you know, happened to the past. And, you know, this fear is sort of like gluing me, you know, to where I am, but it's easier to be sort of more chill and attribute this to like laziness or, you know, just sort of lack of motivation. So I kind of wonder whether a, a lot of people have that trauma reinforced by having people tell them over and over that they're lazy, mm. not motivated, when in fact it's fear that's the driver and they're not getting the help that would be appropriate. Yeah, I think about that with the Henry Winkler item that we had on the show the other day during the roundtable where he was told by his parents basically that he was dumb, dumb dog, and how low you feel as a person. And in his case, and made him rise at least on the level of not only being an accomplished actor, had the best he could to fight through, but treating others the most, the best way he could because he certainly didn't want to be that person that treated him like he was treated. Grant, thank you, sir. Yeah. Have a wonderful Grant. weekend, guys. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you on Monday on the program. Grant Hardy joining us, Ramya and I, for Cut for Time. We do this every Friday. Check out what we've been talking about via the podcast. Subscribe. You can listen to this podcast uh, segments or the complete Kelly and Ramya podcast with the audio vanity card. And if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. We'll tell you what's coming up on AMI-tv and audio over the weekend. We have our closing moment and more after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
lot for you in the next couple of moments, folks. We'll get to it, but I'm sure that the uh, gang in the control room at times wish we didn't have a darn HR department. Sorry, HR, I don't mean darn as in, you know, negative, but because I think they'd love to tell us sometimes on the break, shut up, we're going back! And we know that's not appropriate. Anyway, mm -hmm. folks, on our program, we'd like you to look at uh, joining Joita Gupta over the weekend on uh, Saturdays on AMI-audio for The Pulse. The Pulse is a weekly, long-form interview show that dives into issues impacting the disability community across Canada. That's The Pulse, Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. Also, the documentary series, Our Community, is broadcast Sundays on AMI-tv. And in this week's episode, we are following 30-year-old disability educator Vicky Letta as she moves out of the institution where she's been living for the past decade and into her Halifax community. That's a huge transition for her. Tune into Our Community Sundays at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Down south, my friends have brought this to my attention. Amanda sent this to me. Baskin Robbins nice. has sent, this is really interesting because Baskin Robbins is getting into the spirit of celebration by introducing a new Turkey Day. We know that their Thanksgiving is coming up. A new Turkey Day fixing ice cream flavor. Get ready for a side dish, says the company on its website, introducing this unique flavor of the month featuring sweet potato and mm. autumn spice ice creams with honey cornbread pieces and cranberry sauce swirls. This might be the uh, perfect way to get all your favorite Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner flavors all in one bite. Think about it as Thanksgiving uh, leftover sandwich, but as dessert. Um, there's also a pizza out there too, Rum, that has the same kinds of items on it. Stuffing, cranberries, turkey. Do you give a thumbs up or is this something you wouldn't even come close to being brave enough to try? Uh, no, the sweet potato and the um, spice one and then the cranberry was okay, but I don't know about turkey leg and all that. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what. They also have a big old cake, too, that looks like an oven stuffer, and it has uh, um, ice cream sugar sugar cones for turkey legs. So <laughs> that's another choice you could have too. Coming up on our next program, folks, on the show, there are 30 plus Christmas uh, markets in and holiday craft fairs around Ottawa. Kim Kilpatrick will tell us more on her community report on Monday. Nice. Also on Know Your Rights, Daniel McLaughlin is joined by advocate David Leposky, law lawyer as well, to discuss the latest on the Ontario Disabilities Act. I'm going to talk more on the vanity card about how I would lay out my choice turkey stuffing whatever pizza uh, it's it, check it out because it's so you're gonna gory, say lay it out right? to rest <laughs> oh gosh folks we'll talk to you next week take care of yourself fedora's off to you get out of here will you hosts kelly mcdonald and ramia Amadin. reporter grant hardy senior show producer jeff ryman visual producer megan mcgrath producer marianne dion jones Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Duco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, content development and production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc.
So as we had the conversation to wrap the show on Thanksgiving ice cream with all the trimmings mixed in, right, and pizza, I, I always giggle that when anyone says, hey, would you try? No. Ugh. So it's the reaction of either maybe you got this when you were a kid. If you said, oh, that would be all right. What? And all the other kids start teasing it. You'd like that. And laughing and jeering at you. So maybe you decide nowadays, no, 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 I'm not going to be so quick to react. I personally feel it's a gut reaction. Your mind goes to the taste in your mouth as it goes in, then lands in your stomach and how you feel, and just the overall feel. And, of course, we always talk texture now. I used to think that was a blind thing, that people didn't quite get texture, but now so many people talk of texture. Oh, I don't like the feel of that. So, of course, going into the concept, are you mixing in mashed potatoes, dressing, stuffing, whatever you call it, folks, uh, with cranberries, turkey, and, and some of the other things? Got to have the taste of the sage for me. That, that really does it. Um, but... I kind of feel that ice cream may be a bit more believable. But me being a non-chili eater, I'm the same way. But if you were to say, hey, how would this chocolate chili go? Oh, oh wait. First, I'm thinking beans and chocolate. Forget. But I think of the sweetness of Boston baked beans. Any other chili? I'm No, no, no. Even though I don't necessarily mind the smell of it and can't really understand since chili is filled with things that I do eat, why I don't. But I digress. To me, I think of Little Caesar stuffed crust pizza. And are you putting uh, potato and gravy mixed in with stuffing in that? You don't want the pizza to be too dry. So all these things that you think about when yet you eat all of it. Anyway, you're just putting it on a base of dough, cooking it. Now, again, I like my big chunks of turkey. I don't think that would go over too well. I don't think anyone would say a turkey that big. And I certainly wouldn't want to be eating ice cream. And, hey, the chunk of meat in here. Even though... We do talk sweet and savory. Kind of funny, right? Because, again, I go back to, oh, I, as your brain is calculating, figuring, tasting in your mouth and the landing in your stomach and how you're going to feel later. All that first gut reaction, literally. Happy eating. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.